John's Gospel describes Jesus as the light of the world. John the Baptist is presented as a witness to Jesus, one who directs attention away from himself to Christ, the true light. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify to the light so that all might believe through him. He himself was not the light, but he came to testify to the light. This is a testimony given by John when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who are you? He confessed and did not deny it, but confessed, I am not the Messiah. And they asked him, What then? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? He answered, No. Then they said to him, Well, who are you? Let us have an answer for those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? He said, I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. Now they had been sent from the Pharisees. They asked him, Why then are you baptizing if you are neither the Messiah, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? John answered them, I baptize with water. Among you stands one whom you do not know, the one who is coming after me. I am not worthy to unite the thong of this sandal. This took place in Bethany across the Jordan where John was baptizing. Here ends the gospel. Well, good morning. I'd like to begin today with a rendition of an Advent prayer I found in my old Lutheran prayer book that I think portrays a timeless message for the season. Please pray with me. Almighty God, we praise you that you comforted your people with the promise of a Redeemer. We praise you that in the fullness of time you sent your Son as our Savior. We praise you that you give promise that you will send him to us again. Open our hearts to receive him now as he comes to us in word and sacrament. Open our eyes in awareness of his rule in our lives by his grace. Make Advent a blessing to us as we welcome our King in faith and love. We lift up our hearts to welcome him anew and recognize he truly is the light in all of our lives, as proclaimed by John the Baptist. Fill us with gladness as he comes to us. Amen. So my wife and I have a pastime that we really enjoy doing together, which is listening to podcasts, and we listen to them together on car rides. And our favorite activity is not necessarily listening to them, but the discussion that follows. We ponder life, death, pirates, God, farming, outer space, you name it, we most likely have listened to it and discussed about it. And one such podcast that is one of our favorites is called Radiolab. And I'd like to share with you the details of an episode that was published about five years ago called Dark Side of the Earth. And during the segment, they spoke with an astronaut named Dave Wolf from NASA. And the interview explains that darkness is interesting in space because nowhere else is there such an extreme and stark contrast between light and dark. For example, during spacewalks, when the wing of the spacecraft blocks light from the sun or moon, the darkness is darker than anything you can imagine. So if you can imagine I'm an astronaut and the sun or the moon is reflecting light on me, maybe you can see my helmet and my chest and As an astronaut extends their arm into a shadow created by the spaceship, 
it seems like their arm completely disappears. It's that dark because the reflections, there's nothing to reflect off of. Now what happens next is exhilarating. The sunrise over the horizon with astronauts and their spacecraft moving at five miles per second bursts into view and illuminates the earth. At this screaming speed, he immediately clutched onto the handrails of the spaceship because his senses made him realize how far above the earth he truly was and how quickly they were moving. He described it as thinking you are standing in a room with the lights out and then all of a sudden the lights are turned back on and you realize you're 400,000 feet above the earth. It's apparently quite startling. And at that moment, there's a 400 degree increase in temperature. And as they do these spacewalks and they're orbiting the earth, there's 45 minutes of blazing light paired with 45 minutes of total darkness. And in a 24-hour period, there's 16 nights and days. So 45 minutes of complete bright and sunshine or light from the moon and 45 minutes of complete darkness. And apparently it can become very disorienting. This speed coupled with the quick changes in the contrast between light and dark are so disorienting that they have to find a way to be able to beat this sensation. And they do it by focusing on one thing. For an astronaut, they focus on using one tool to work on one task at a time. And for us as Christians, we, when our lives become disoriented, we find a, our way by focusing on one thing as well. The one true light in the world, Jesus. I think this astronaut's story connects in a way with each of our lives. We have frequent jolts of darkness and light that occur. There are times of extreme darkness when we hear about evil in this world, present in the form of terrorist attacks or mass shootings like we've seen in Las Vegas or New York City recently, or the church shootings in Texas and a couple years ago down in South Carolina, or even in our own state this past week at the Beaver campus of Penn State. Then there are times that we have jolts of lightness or happiness in our life in the form of community, family, church, worship, events such as beer and carols, parades, holidays such as Thanksgiving, and quick Christmas, which is quickly upon us. And then when we think all is good, we find out a family member, loved one, or close friend has become sick and hospitalized and must start receiving treatments such as chemo, and we feel this dark, thick fog of sadness hovering around us again. These events in our lives can absolutely become disorienting and overwhelming. But if we focus on one thing, the light of Jesus, we can navigate through both the good times and the bad. He is the light of the world that consistently, no matter what, is a source of love, comfort, peace, and joy. When we focus on Jesus, we realize that his grace, mercy, and compassion all comprise this main source of true light in the world. All the happiness and joy in our lives we experience are mere reflections of this light provided by God. Now we have John the Baptist today in our reading proclaiming that he himself was not the light, but he came to testify to the light that's described in our reading from the Gospel of John. This proclamation connects Jesus and his earthly presence as being the fulfillment of Scripture. 
specifically Hebrew Scripture. The source of the description of light that John the Baptist is describing and proclaiming can be found in the words of the prophet Isaiah. Isaiah 42 goes, I have given you as a covenant to the people a light to the nations to open the eyes that are blind, to bring out the prisoners from the dungeon, from the prison those who sit in darkness. Isaiah 60 goes like this, Arise, shine, for your light has come and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For darkness shall cover the earth and thick darkness the peoples. But the Lord will rise upon you and his glory will appear over you. Nations shall come to your light and kings to the brightness of your dawn. So the takeaway for us here today is the light of the world is meant for all nations. Illuminates all of our lives and how we should love God and neighbor. Sets us free from sin and alive to God and Jesus. Provides comfort and hope to those experiencing pain and suffering. Provides inspiration to help and care for others in need. As a reminder to each and every one of us, if we feel alone or we are or like we are in the dark, Jesus, the true light of the world, is with us and will show us the way. In our first reading from the Gospel of Luke called Mary's Song of Praise, she is praising God for what she already has prior to the birth of her firstborn child. During her pregnancy, she is reflecting on her blessings even before the light of the world. Jesus, in his human capacity, is introduced as our Savior and Messiah. She's simultaneously thankful for what she already has and, has and what has not yet come. When I read and reflected on this passage, I immediately thought of one way many of us participate in being thankful for what we have already have and what has not yet come in our lives. And during the Advent and Christmas season, in one way or another, we either admire or participate in dressing our Christmas trees with ornaments. This gives us the opportunity, if we so choose, to slow down and reflect on a memory as we look at these ornaments that sometimes have pictures nestled in them. Sometimes we remember the person that gave it to us as a present, or maybe we are visiting another part of this country or our state, and we picked up an ornament and it brings this flush of good memories that we're able to experience. It's a chance to reorient our lives by reflecting on the good memories we have experienced and be excited at the prospect of great ones to come. So I brought two of my favorite ornaments from home. And the first one is a picture of my daughters. Now every year they take a Christmas photo. We put it in our Christmas card. And then we also put it on an ornament. And I look at it and I say, wow, I have so much to already be thankful for. You know, I can't, and then at the same time I look at it and say, I can't wait till next year when they're a little bit taller and Abigail's talking more and Maggie is going to kindergarten and then there'll most likely be a, or there will be a sibling standing next to, to Abigail, most likely, in this photo. Now, it's just one of those exercises that we can really just be thankful for what we have. And the other one I have is from Colorado. This past summer, I took a vacation to Colorado with my family. We took a road trip all the way out to Colorado Springs and it's uh, where the Garden of the Gods, and that's what this picture um, depicts. And it's a place that we spent a couple days, and we went hiking, and we took photos. But I look at it, and I say, wow, that was such a great time. I can't wait until the next vacation comes. It's an understanding that we have so much to be thankful for, and at the same time, we have so much 
to look forward to. What Mary, the mother of Jesus, is showcasing for us is no matter what, during the good times and the bad, there are things we can be thankful for already as we look to the past. The future tense of John the Baptist paired with the past tense of Mary's song of praise is what the season of Advent is all about. As my professor from the seminary, Dr. Smith, stated, Advent consists of looking in two directions and celebrating Jesus Christ, the one who came and the one who will come again. We celebrate what has already come, Jesus who came as our Savior and Messiah. And celebrating his birth, we recognize his life, his teachings, his ministry, his death, and his resurrection. We also celebrate the not yet, the arrival of the kingdom of heaven where we will live eternal lives with Jesus as a result of following, trusting, having faith, and the true light he provides us in the world. The light that can never be extinguished. The light that always fulfills his promises. So, as you continue along the pathway towards Christmas and the end of Advent, embrace the light of Jesus and all the good that he provides. And extend that light as a reflection into the community, your family, this church, and the rest of the world. Be present and help others who may be navigating through dark times by being a beacon of light that Jesus calls us to be in their time of need. And confidently live into your faith, knowing that Jesus, the light of the world, will be with you every step of the way, today, tomorrow, and forever. Amen.